You're listening to the Battle Ready Podcast. My name is Aaron McManus, and I'm here with my dad, Erwin Rafael McManus. It's good to have you here. It's good to be back, back in the USA. We just got back from Barcelona, Spain. Uh, yes, uh, that was a part of my journey. I was in Italy, then Spain, and then Holland. Uh, I was in technically Lake Como, then Barcelona, and then Amsterdam. And now I'm back home. Okay. Did you enjoy Barcelona? I love Barcelona. It was the first time probably in our entire life that we ever went somewhere just to go somewhere. Yes. We, there was, was no work involved. Well, I mean, I go places just to go someplace even when there's work involved because I think work is a part of the joy of life. I'm saying you don't go places <laughs> where work isn't involved most that's true. times. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. You literally only heard what you wanted to hear with that one. <laughs> It is amazing. Like I can count on one hand where we've been in the world yes. when we weren't working. That's true. Work has taken me around the world. And then there came a certain point where I maybe didn't even realize I could just go anywhere I wanted to and without work. Yeah. So we went to Barcelona. Went to Barcelona. And we walked around for four days. Yes. And it's now one of my favorite cities in the world. What it has it? pressed itself up into my top three. What was our step count? We were averaging around 20,000 steps a day. So crazy. Somewhere in that range. My feet are tired. Yeah, well, my feet are also connected to my legs. How <laughs> my your legs, legs are tired. Legs are tired. <laughs> I did. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning yesterday, though. Got up, went outside, got some sunlight, went on a two and a half hour walk, got a coffee, walked nine miles. I see. That's what I you brought back with I you. I did twenty five thousand steps yesterday. That's amazing. It's crazy. I love it. Get your steps in. Yeah. Well, get I get competitive. For me, I went from Barcelona to Amsterdam just to transfer flights to go from Amsterdam to L.A. And um, they left late from Barcelona, very Spanish, uh, to not be on time. Crazy. And uh, we landed too late in in Amsterdam, so I had to spend the night there. So I took the train into the city and walked around 21,000 steps okay. um, and just walked around the city, enjoyed myself, looked around, and uh, then got back on a plane in the morning and got here last night and back for battle ready. Amazing. And I'm excited. And by the way, just so to all the um, participants in the art of communication, um, thank you guys for um, your patience. I missed the live Q and A yeah. this week. First time we've missed week in eight, seven, right? week, week eight. But we're gonna make it up. Do something really, really special. Have a lot of fun. I couldn't do it because I was on a plane flying in. Uh, yeah. So basically, like for the art of communication, the masterclass yeah. course that we've put out, you do you did ten weeks of Q and As, and then everyone gets access to those Q and As. Yeah. They're video recorded and it's live and it's really cool. And then or they're live and it's and then they're video recorded and they're uploaded to like the art of communication back end. And then we're on week eight of 10 and then 10. I mean, it's crazy. Like we started with six hours of content. Now we're almost close to 16 hours of content. Which is so. Um, it's so crazy. So much fun. Yeah. So if, and, you, if you divide that down by the cost it, or the cost by the number of hours that you get, it's just crazy. It makes yeah. it so much more manageable. And the last one we had, I actually really loved. We talked about how to become quotable how to That's take really a good. concept, an idea, and how to craft it in such a way that it becomes a quotable statement and how to get rid of cliches and actually create unique thoughts and ideas in a way that they translate to other people. So it was really fun. We have some beef though, because I like, so none of my friends, my friends, I guess, are just too cool for me now. Like they're too busy and they all have kids and all these things. 
and none of them could pick me up at the airport. So my mother did me a solid. <laughs> my mom came in as as just just amazing. Your just mom picked you up. Saved me, picked me up. My mother <laughs> picked my 33-year-old self up from the airport. And she shows up and she's like, oh, like, how was Barcelona? I was like, I loved it. It was one of my favorite trips. It was so much fun. and It was amazing. Like, oh, your dad said he like didn't really enjoy it that much. She keeps saying that and I keep telling her I loved it. Like, what the heck? I think it's going, that, do we have beef? I think it's that we didn't go together. No, did, no hold on. <laughs> Are you saying, because she said what you said is that you didn't have that much fun. I had a great time. Which I one is it? it? Which version is it? <laughs> I had a wonderful time. Tell me the truth. First of all, you're single, so you do not understand the communication patterns of married people. <laughs> I don't understand. Did you lie? I did not lie. Did you play it down a little bit? I might have played down a little bit. What? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that if I came out of the gate saying, Barcelona is the greatest city in the world. I've had the best time of my life. My first day was extraordinary that they would put my marriage in it jeopardy. Your marriage. <laughs> so, so I just sort of kept things on a down low, kept it chill. So first thing out the gate, she says, she goes, so how was Barcelona, son? Did you enjoy it? And I was like, oh, it was amazing. The food was great. The people were great. The hotel was great. I loved being on the beach. I loved being in the city. It was so much fun. She goes, oh, your dad said it was like, it was all right. And I got so insecure. I'm like, we do this podcast together. We do life together. We are friends. And I'm like, was he just catfishing me the whole trip? Like, wasn't having that good of a time? But what's so just... funny is that every time she said to me, you didn't have a great time, I go, no, I had a great time. And then she'd say, you didn't really like Barcelona. I said, no, I love Barcelona. And, and, and so whenever she would say to me, but you didn't really enjoy it, I kept saying, no, I really enjoyed it. And I didn't know how to like change the narrative. <laughs> So basically, she was telling you that without her, you can't enjoy it. That was a little bit, I think, of it, you know, along the way. And I don't understand marriage. <laughs> what is with that? You know, it, that's an important, I think, principle for life. Um, Please you, spin this into wisdom right now. Weave this into some wisdom. I think it's really important to be able to celebrate each other having fun. Like when Kim goes to Malawi and she's on those trips, she's having the time of her life. And I want her to enjoy it. I don't want her to have to downplay it. I don't want her to minimize what a brilliant experience it is for her in her life. Okay. And um, and so I just want to go on the record. I love Barcelona. I had an amazing time. I think one of our early meals in the city I didn't really like that much. When we couldn't get into the restaurant we wanted to go to, then we couldn't get the second restaurant we had to go to. Then we were around the corner and we just sat and got some food. It was good, but it wasn't. The empanadas? No, no, no. When, um, Which one? It was the one sitting outside. It was a little bar. Um, oh, the tapas spot? Yeah. You didn't like that? I liked it, but I didn't love it. Huh. <laughs> huh. <laughs> Interesting. I liked it. Thanks for helping me on the reservations. <laughs> you did nothing. I left all the reservations to Aaron. That's why he's taking it personally. <laughs> but he, he didn't like test. There was no like... like pre-conversation it was like hey where are we going to dinner tonight i'm like i don't know dad where do you want to go to dinner tonight like <laughs> we i thought i was still i thought we were staying out in the other hotel and he switched it up wanted to move into the city last minute okay quick survey quick survey no you, quick you, survey no no, no do you no, love trying to change the subject no i'm not no i'm not because it really comes down to something very personal do you love being spontaneous on vacations or do you love being planned on vacations because you see my son and i this is where we have attention i love being spontaneous and when you're spontaneous, sometimes you get a great experience. Sometimes you don't get a great experience. 
you have to risk it in the spontaneity. My son does not love spontaneous vacations. No. He, he wants to plan it. He wants everything already oh, mapped out. He wants every reservation for the restaurants. I don't know. Why? I don't want surprises. <laughs> why would I, I don't like surprises. Why don't I want surprise? I, I, you've lived your whole life You know surprises. what hell is? Hell is one gigantic surprise party. <laughs> surprise, I'm in here with you. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, I've been waiting in the dark. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. No way. You know what hell is? What? Having everything planned and predictable. I'm not saying, no. Come on, no, that's, I, that's the comment section. Who's with me? Who's with Aaron? Who wants their vacations planned? For sure. Who wants their vacations spontaneous? Tess? I, I like it planned because- What? Get I off know, the microphone. Know, but here's, here's the reason. Because there's nothing worse than being somewhere else that you want to explore and having no options. Which we, I did not make reserve. I, I don't go. This is the thing. This is where mm. we're, this is where we've, we messed up because I like was hitting up my buddy Philippe, like, where should we go? And the spots, I didn't think all the feedback I had gotten, you didn't need to make reservations. You could kind of make them the day before, mm -hmm. but all the spots were completely filled for the weekend. We could not find places to eat at night. Mornings, coffee, breakfast, all those things. Amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's true. So easy. But it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And we finished well. We finished well. Finished we we were champions. Well. We we made a Michelin star decision. It was it's not Michelin star. You don't no, like Michelin star. I'm not, I'm saying we made a Michelin star decision, not a Michelin star restaurant. Sure. <laughs> and uh, because we we went to this Argentine steakhouse in Barcelona that was extraordinary. It was such an amazing dinner. It was so cool. It was like such a little spot, like local. It was, it was, it was awesome. We just asked someone, where, where do you go eat? Yeah, locally? we met this Argentinian guy and he was like, we're like, where do you eat when you want steak? And he's like, let's, I go to this spot. He goes, but it's Argentinian. Yeah, like, we okay, don't want, so we don't want to go where the tourists go. We just want to go where the locals go. There was a lot of tourists in Barcelona. I wasn't expecting that. Oh, it like wasn't goodness. really Spanish at all. It was all tourists. I kept looking for people to speak Spanish with. <laughs> and everyone would be like, "Oh, I'm from Fer I'm from Paris, or, or from, from Holland, or Germany." Yeah. Oh, I'm or... sorry, I'm English, I'm British. Yeah, we're like, "You're yes. so sorry too for you." So it was it was a challenge to find people who actually spoke Spanish. Okay, so with that said, okay. we did a battle already. Last week's topic was pretty heavy. Yeah, we talked about the Uvalde school shootings. Um, pretty heartbreaking, I think. Uh, I got really great feedback from people that I think were first time messaging mm. us, uh, first time giving us feedback. People who were going, look, I'm, you know, middle of America, 40 year old mom, white, you know, married with kids. And I hear the call out and I agree and I disagree and I love the podcast. And these are some things I agree with and disagree with. And it was just really interesting to me because I, I really appreciate when people kind of can understand that we have a different perspective and can stick it, it's like stick with us, you know? Yeah. I also wanna say that as new information comes in, um, we're always ready to adjust. Like, you know, when we're dealing with perspectives and uh, we're bringing commentary, I mean, I told you with, with the situation in Uvalde, Texas, I almost feel like we should do a follow-up called Afterthought. You actually had the name Afterthought, um, where we bring in some 
maybe further insight to the situation because, you know, there's all kinds of conversations about violence and gun control and mental health and uh, even uh, the topic of evil. And, um, and, I, and I think as we discover more what happened in the situation, I think there, there's going to be more to talk about. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so before we jump into our topic, can I just do a little ad for ourselves real quick? Go for it. So if you're listening to this podcast, we're so grateful. We love you guys. Uh, I feel like we're building such a great community. Uh, you guys can check out our Instagram and follow us at Battle Ready Podcast. But also, like, rate and review this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, you can rate it right there. You can give us five stars. If you're on uh, Apple Podcasts, you can review it and give us five stars and let us know. I, I, I like to go back and screenshot and post some of the reviews. So thank you guys so much. If you dislike this podcast, just, you know, st stay out of this one. You know, just stay don't review. This, don't <laughs> review it. Don't just don't review it. You know, just, just you know. Pray, pray be for a man it. of peace. <laughs> um, Send your thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah, so just, you know, that's really important to us. It gets the word out there, helps people search it. Uh, Battle Ready Podcast. We're super grateful that you guys listen and check it out each week. Okay, so can we jump into this episode? Let's do it. Do you want to talk about Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, or do you want to talk about Elon Musk and all the people who don't want to go to work? You mean Elon Musk and Amber Heard. <laughs> oh, dang. Those, those topics are too related. <laughs> Love triangle. There is a triangle there. Yeah, no. it's... it's uh, I don't know if it's deep, but it's depth. This ain't battle ready no more. It's battle no. <laughs> battle no. Okay, so Elon Musk's ultimatum to Tesla office workers is this. If you don't show up, we will assume you have resigned. Mm. You can work from home if you work from the office 40 hours a week. <laughs> it's pretty crazy, right? It is. It is. What do you think? I mean, is it crazy or is it not crazy? We were having this conversation this week. Like, is it a generational issue that young people don't want to work? Well, you know, you always are frustrated with me that I don't want to answer the questions. You don't. So let me just say, so, so let me answer the question. Okay. I 100. I 100. 100 agree with Elon Musk. <laughs> is that your Elvis Presley voice? <laughs> I absolutely agree with Elon. 100%. That we'd have to be in the office 40 hours a week? That if you don't show up, that's your resignation. Oof. Let me begin with the first half of that. Okay. You don't show up, that's your resignation. And I know that we are in a cultural tidal wave of people saying, hey, I'm not going to go back to the office. Don't want to go back to work. Don't want to go back into um, the same system. I get that. Um, it is your choice to be unemployed. At that point. Yeah. It, it's not your choice to decide how your employer employs. It's not your choice on how a business chooses to run itself. But it is your choice. To work there. To work there and not work there. Right. So you have the right to decide not to work there. Okay. But Elon Musk definitely has the right to say, if you don't show up at work, we're going to consider that your resignation. I love what he said. You can work from home as long as you work 40 hours in the office. Now, we don't require that. Who's we? Mosaic. Huh? Okay. We don't. We, we basically have people working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and then part-time on Sunday. Okay. If you add that up, it doesn't add to 40. No, it's four and a half days a week. Yeah. You're like, you're, you're a progressive. You're a progressive employer. But I've been like that for a while, and, you know. Yeah. And, but here's the thing is I want to hire people who want to work 60, 70 hours a week. Okay. Because I, I, I want people who 
are here because this is their passion. Okay. Like this, they, they can't help it. They think about this, you know, the mission. They, they want to make a contribution. They, their creative energy and their, uh, their discretionary volunteer time goes to what we're doing because they love it so much. And so I think the dilemma is that once you have someone who's trying to figure out what's the least I can do and still be employed, they're the wrong person to have on your team. I don't disagree. I think what I, for me, being in the office was so essential during COVID because I wanted, I didn't want to go insane. Yeah. So being around people, having a common mission, trying to achieve goals, working every day really helped, I think, keep my sanity. And I, and I whether our team would disagree or not, I think it kept a cohesiveness. Um, I would also say now I don't really care about it that much, like work from wherever, just get it done. But there's some aspect of being a creative and having being a part of a creative team and having that energy and having that kind of momentum and, and creative cohesiveness where you're in the room together, kind of building uh, a creative narrative together and aesthetic together. And I don't know if it's the same when you, you're going freelance to freelance to freelance and just going, okay, look, let's like, get this project done, but we're not going to have any kind of common place. I love the energy of the room when you're working together. Does it need to be eight hours a day in an office? Maybe not. No. no, you have to realize that, well, you do know this. Early on when you even came here to work at Mosaic, when you came back from New York, there was no office hours. I, I haven't had an, I didn't have an office for 30 years. Yeah. And when I would always take the best room for the best office and then give it to the people who actually worked there. And so all the personal assistants would usually get the office that was the quote, the CEO's office. Yeah. And I, uh, in our other space before this, my office was a chair with wheels on it. And I would sit in that chair and I would roll to the specific section of the workforce that I needed to be in at that time. And everybody would joke about it. And so I've never been a person who feels like a person has to have a cubicle or a room or a space to be effective. I think the bigger issue is that you cannot let people work from home until they have an ethic of working at a high level in your company. Okay, so I'm not a big fan of saying this generation sucks because I think there's a lot of people out there who, and I think it's always on, the, like the older generations always kind of like trash the younger generations. Well, the next generation just doesn't get it. But I've heard that said a million times. And you know what? The last generation didn't build Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Google, Apple. I mean, I guess the last generation kind of did, but the generation before that didn't. So I don't know, Bezos and- Bezos, Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs, Bill Gates. And Bill Gates and- Elon Musk, those guys are closer to my generation. Elon isn't. Elon is how younger old, How old is Elon? Mid well, he's 40s. younger than me, but. Mid-40s, yeah. But he's definitely not like a millennial. No, no. I don't know. So here's the thing, is that, is, are we becoming lazy as a culture? Because I, I would say this, as I, I meet a lot of young people who work really hard. I would say I also meet a lot of young people who don't have, a, have very low capacity for high-level work. And a very low work ethic. Or just like high anxiety. Yeah. So they can work a lot for a small amount of time and then they get really stressed out. Yeah, it's, it's a psychological space where we have lost ground as a culture. 
um, the capacity of Americans to actually deal with pressure, stress, um, crisis, challenges, work has diminished dramatically. And one of the outcomes that I see from the pandemic uh, when we were told to be at home for a year and told basically we couldn't work and told that we would be taken care of and, and with the stimulus packages and, um, and even all the narratives about having a minimum wage uh, that every American would be paid without working, a guaranteed income. All these um, mindsets that are incredibly like progressively socialistic have created a culture that basically says, but actually believes I should be taken care of regardless of the amount of work that I produce uh, through my life. And I, I think this is kind of both systemically dangerous and actually incredibly sad uh, because you should have something that wakes you up in the morning that you want to create, something you want to do, something that um, gets you up in the morning because you want to make a huge difference in the world. And if it's not your job, you should go find it and turn it into your job. Right. And I just can't imagine living my life without passion, living my life without work. And uh, I mean, we've had this conversation in the past years ago, and now the context is different. I tell you, one time these group of guys were meeting and one of them called me up and said, hey, we had a meeting and one of the guys said, hey, let's think of an idea so extraordinary that it pays us so much money we never have to work again. And the guy called me and said, you know, when he said that, I thought, but I actually like working. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't want to think of an idea yeah. that allows me not to work anymore. I want to think of an idea that makes me want to work every day. Yeah. And I, I, think we, I, I think we need to fight for the intrinsic value of work. So work then, is not a punishment. So work is you, an opportunity. Okay. So then I guess it combats its own, it combats the idea that we're having, with, the, the idea at hand. So are just young, so, okay, young people need to work hard. And the people who are their bosses need to inspire them to work hard, right? And if they don't inspire them, they're not going to come and work hard. That's right. Yeah. So I think that so you have- What's that relationship there? Well, one, I think companies have taken advantage of their employees. How and so? How because, have you taken advantage of me? Well, if you- We're going to unionize. <laughs> me and Tess. Unions Austin. were wonderful a um, hundred years ago in many, many ways. Yeah. And yeah, I think when you have like, uh, when you had the coal miners and you had the uh, industrial workers and, and they were powerless to be paid a reasonable wage and they were able to unionize and create an organization that had enough leverage to fight for workers' rights. I think that's, that was a wonderful thing. The problem now is that unions actually have so much power that they're really not for the worker. They're they're an institutional for force that becomes a bureaucracy like government. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that um, unions now create a culture where people have less drive to work. It's interesting. And I, I, I think teachers unions are destroying the educational system. Yeah. And if you remove all competition, you actually eliminate the capacity for elevation of quality. Okay. And, and I think that's a part of the dilemma that you have is that you have that tension. And, and that is one of the positive things in capitalism is that capitalism in that sense is incredibly evolutionary. And um, 
if you are if you're hungry to do something better you will elevate in a, in a capitalistic environment and and if you don't create a product that people need or people want your company will cease to exist if you don't make food that people want to eat your restaurant will die if you make food that people love you're going to have a line outside the door yeah but i don't know if that's true anymore if you don't make but it, you could create a product that everybody wants, but if you can't inspire people to help you build the product yes. and get the product out to the world, we're almost at that place now where it's like, especially with what the, like the really toxic culture that um, our government builds with giving people stimuluses, the stimulus check, it, like, it created a culture of no one wants to work. Well, I can get paid, I can be on unemployment, so why would I just not do that? Yeah, I think what's happened in the mindset with the trillions of dollars that have rolled out, and I'm not saying we didn't need them because we're in a very unique moment. What I am saying is it creates this mindset of, oh, government can print money whenever it wants to. Which it can. Yeah, it just, that's why we have inflation. It's astonishing to me that President Biden is acting as if inflation is disconnected from the decisions of the executive branch. So I mean, crazy. No one in history would ever believe that or say that. And yet that's actually his position. Uh, that's a side note. Sorry. Back to work. This. Yeah, back to work. All right. Uh, first of all. Um, so what do I do if I don't like my job? Well, I think there's several things you and can do. And what do I do if I'm not good at my job? And what do I do if I like my job and I'm good at my job, but I don't want to go to the office? There were times. Okay. There were times during COVID, times during the quarantine. Mm -hmm. And I think Tess and Austin are both witnesses of this, mm -hmm. where you're just having really bad days. Mm -hmm. And you did not want to do bad already. Mm -hmm. And how many times right before the show, you said, I'm out. I don't want to do this. I'm not into it. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. And I looked at you and I said, you wanted to do battle ready. This is your job. We do, do the show. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was me. So you can resonate with all the people who right now are saying, I don't want to go to back. I don't want to go back to work. I don't yeah, want to go to work. This is like job three of job of five that I have. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. Nah. I get to be tired. I get to be <laughs> tired because this is like the thing that we're growing. Yeah. But it wasn't even about being tired. It was about not feeling like you had the, the emotional capacity to dive back into work. For sure. And yet, whenever you did it, it elevated your capacity. Absolutely. It helped pull you out of that depression. Absolutely. And then you had a higher sense of self-esteem because you powered through it and you got the job done. Yeah. And on top of that. You said you want to have a conversation. You're just talking to yeah. me. Yeah. And on top of that. Did you want to ask me anything? And on top of that. Sure. Talk to me. Those were your best episodes. Thank you. Because Thank when you. you came in raw and honest. Yeah. You write your best. Okay. So what would you say to all those people who you can resonate with how they feel? And I think, I think a lot of it is stop letting the environment dictate your attitude and, and bring a better attitude to the environment. Like, can you help change the job description by bringing greatness and a good attitude and a good, uh, and kindness and joy into a space that maybe might feel a little bleak? I've worked bad jobs. Mm -hmm. I sat down with my old boss at YSL and that wasn't a bad job, but it wasn't like a great job. Mm -mm. They were great people. Yeah. You know, and 
I was like grateful if I could do the coffee run because the job was so boring. You know, <laughs> I was like, let me do the coffee run with the interns because I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to my actual job. I would try to hang in the office as long as I could before I had to go to the actual job. And God taught me so much through those moments. Those are the most humbling moments. And I think what I don't want is a generation of people, young people who skip the moments where God teaches them things. Yeah. In the suck is when you will actually learn the most about who you are as a person. Don't See, escape it. That's the conversation you need to be having with your generation. I'm trying. I'm trying. I am trying. With me, it just sounds like I'm the old guy who just doesn't get it. My thing is like, for every person who doesn't want to work, there's like 10 people who do. You just haven't found them yet. Yeah, but they're going to take over the world. And I like to party. So I'll find them. And then we'll have fun. <laughs> well, first of all, if you're really great at what you do, um, you have incredible leverage in negotiating power. I mean, Kyrie Irving, because he's, he's one of the best <laughs> basketball players on the face of the earth, and he could basically not go to work and still be paid millions of dollars. Nah, I, 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 Kyrie. I know he didn't want to get the vaccine. He didn't uh, want to get the vax. And I don't, and I think it was wrong absolutely wrong for the state of New York to not allow the man to do his job because he would not be vaccinated. That was as totalitarian as a decision could be while allowing other players from other cities to come and play Who when they're vaccinated. not vaccinated. The hypocrisy is intense, even though I think Kyrie is, is crazy. You can be crazy and right. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I think he was crazy and right. Uh, he should not have been forced to be vaccinated. But at the same time, he's so good at what he does, he's able to get paid for not doing it. It's crazy, right? <laughs> he's able to get paid for the potential that one day but he will do you it. You said like it's not the dream, but like isn't it the dream? <laughs> like you're so good at what you do, I'm going to pay you for the moments you're not doing it. I'm going to pay you just because one day you might come to work. And ball out, and he does. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty incredible. Not enough to win a championship, but he does. Yeah, and so the reality is that if... You want ultimate freedom, be the best at what you do and hire yourself. Work for yourself so you're the boss and no one can tell you what your hours are. If you want to work from home, become so entrepreneurial, take the risks. Because what you don't realize is that when you're an employee, you are not taking the organizational risks. You get a paycheck. Okay. Someone else is having to create the wealth okay. to make that paycheck possible. Right. It's like that Instagram video of the guy who got there in an interview going, the guy who makes the pencil should is as important to the company as the guy who owns the pencil company. I'm like, no, he's not. He's not. I'm sorry. But the, the, the Break guy, that down for me. Okay. Elon Musk is more important to Tesla than the guy putting the tire together. Okay. It's like they're not the same. And there isn't uh, uh, the scale of value is not the same. We're trying to pretend that everyone has the same value to organization just because they're a human being, just because humans are equal in that sense, in the yeah. sight of God and in sight of our nation's constitution. Right. It doesn't mean that they have the same fair market value. Yeah. 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 Okay.
This is interesting. So the truth is someone else may get to work from home because they're better at their job. Okay. So and and if you're not better at your job, you may have to go to the office because you're just kind of you've you've only put the work in to be average. So if you were to categorically describe a formula for being great at your job and getting to work at home, what you know, and having like a high leverage for negotiation, what would be your things? Fast, good, or cheap? No, 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 no. no. It's very different. Like like you're fast at your job. You accomplish what you need to get done. You're the best at your job. No one can beat you. We can't replace you. What would be the third thing? Um, it's It would fall in the category of uh, creativity or innovation. You revolutionize how your job is done. Yeah. Like, okay. Some people are good at their job and they do the job exactly as they've been taught. And some people are faster at their job. They're capable of doing that good job so fast that they're faster than everybody else. But some people look at it and go, I can reinvent this and do this in a way it's never been done. And so one guy, uh, he gets the lawnmower and he pushes it and he does a great job making perfect lines. And uh, one guy, he can push that lawnmower so fast, he can make those perfect lines faster than anybody else. And the third guy is a little bit lazy and goes, you know, I want to sit down all day, so I'm going to create a... a um, a sitting lawnmower where I'm going to just sit and drive this baby. And, uh, and he may not be as good as the first two, but he reinvented how the job is done. He's going to work with, he's going to work less and get more accomplished. If you want to get paid a lot of money, don't just be good. Don't just be fast, be inventive, be creative, find a new way of doing something better. What is it called? in like when you have like Apple products and it's just the spinning wheel of death, when it just spins forever. Oh, yeah. The losing category for negotiating like a work at home situation is if you're slow <laughs> and you take a long time to accomplish the task. If you're expensive, like yeah. it costs us a lot of money to pay yeah. to, to pay you. And then what would be the third thing? Oh, your ideas are average. Yeah. yeah if your ideas are average, you're slow and you're expensive. Like work from home, just stay at home. I won't pay you. That's great. <laughs> well, fine. Like the, the beauty about the world though now is that you have like, we have access to Mexico. We have access to Taiwan. We have access to Korea. We have access to Malaysia. We have access to, you know, you were working with guys in like Lima, Peru and like Quito, Ecuador. I'm like, there are creatives around the world. There are business managers around the world. I was talking to a guy this last week who's personal assistant is a woman in the Philippines who just wakes up and works North American hours because she makes 10x what she would make in the Philippines working for him. And it's still like the a base rate for what you would pay someone here in the US. And so like she's building her second house or whatever, and he's going, I'm not breaking the bank, hiring someone who's just more efficient than anyone I've ever had before. So I do think with a global market and the world becoming smaller via the internet, like things are going to really be tough for the Americans. If we don't go back to work or we don't elevate the process and elevate the quality and elevate the innovation, we don't actually change the game. We won't be the ones setting the culture anymore. It'll be people in India. It'll be people in Malaysia. It'll be people people in China. China. I mean, goodness. Like, you know, so I, I don't know. We're in an interesting era of the work yeah i i, I think it's a really important conversation to have because a huge part of the conversation right now becomes about it was about mental health you know people are stressed out people are anxious they 
Um, they can't handle the capacity. They, uh, they, you, you know, and and so if you say, "Hey, we want people to work hard," you sound like you're just a jerk. You sound like you're just yeah. insensitive to people's emotional, psychological needs, and 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 you know, you go, "Well, yeah," because people are depressed. I'm going. You don't think those coal miners were depressed? I, coal miners is like extreme. I'm just saying, like those guys were depressed, and they went to work every day. Because if they didn't, they their wife and their kids would starve. I'm just saying that when you're in an environment where the where the pressure has been completely relieved, you lose the capacity to be more and more resilient. And I'm glad no one's. I hope no one has to work in a coal mine. I hope that era is gone. Yeah, there are too. still people working in coal mines. I know, and there's God bless them. Yeah, and see, and I want people. And every time technology is created that costs people jobs, there's a huge uh, rift in culture. The people who had those jobs are angry that technology is stealing their jobs. But within, within one generation, everyone's grateful they don't have to do that job anymore. It's crazy. And so you have to realize that when you're trapped in an era where you're doing the manual labor that now technology uh, is able to do for you, there's going to be a day where robots will do all the work that humans do on manual labor. Uh, there's going to be a day where no 15-year-old is going to be hired at McDonald's. It's all going to be robotic. And so what you need to realize is you can't fight that future. You have to train yourself and get the skills necessary to thrive in that future. Yeah, I don't care if his I don't care if his Victoria's Secret model is working at McDonald's. I ain't eating it. <laughs> no, I'll have fries, but I'm not nothing else. Fries McFlurries, no. Don't do it. All right, I'm just using it. It's as an not example. real meat. No. You're you're off the you're off topic here. <laughs> the topic is work. Work keeps evolving. It keeps changing. It keeps adapting, and but humans are, have are, to adapt to okay, that. Okay, so here's this: are, are we missing it? Like, should people just be able to work from home and live better lives and be awesome? And yeah. are we like are we the are we the the oppressors? <laughs> Tess laughs. Hey, man, I want to hear that microphone. Tess laughs. I want to hear Tess laughing. You better over get there. in the frame, Tess. Get in the frame, Tezroy. Here's what I have to say. Are we the oppressors? Go to work. I'm not the oppressor. Wake I'm, the up. I'm the liberator. Because I give people opportunity to work at jobs that they love. And no one should work here if I would it's not drop, a job they love. I would drop the mic, but it's attached. And I have worked hard to create a life where I have the freedom to create. I get to work out of my back house. And write books. I said this. I said this to someone this week. You know who you is. I said, where else will you have this freedom and this lack of freedom? Because <laughs> we work a lot. Yep. And then sometimes we don't work at all. Like we really go with the seasons of when there's a lot to do, we do it, and when there's not a lot to do, we play. You know, and it's it's like a ebb and flow. A kind of a cycle of life. Yeah. I know this. Anyone who works here, goes work somewhere else, they, they, they may have worked harder here, but they had more fun here. Mm. And I mean, I've taken teams across the world. We've traveled from Australia to New Zealand to South Africa. Um, we, we've, the teams here get to experience life so much. We took Austin to London one time. I thought we almost killed him. Yeah, he had to come back. He was exhausted. Sleep. The poor man was so tired. And had to go work more <laughs> here in LA. 
He's not a good example <laughs> for this situation. Did you, you not have a good time, Austin? I loved it, and I'll go anytime you ask. <laughs> yeah, am I not merciful? <laughs> I just remember, I just remember me and Austin in a hotel in Amsterdam planning the MSC shoot while we we're on this like two week trip with me and you, and mm -hmm. we were in a new city every like second day. And I think you spoke like. 18 times or something. Do you remember this? It was like right before COVID yeah, shut down. Yeah. And me and Austin in the lobby because we're doing all the Zoom calls back with LA and we're like asleep. Yeah. We and we woke up and we're like, oh, we got to go to bed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A couple of things. A couple of things. Talk to me. If you want to work fewer hours, be an employee. Okay. If you want to work so many hours, you can't even count them, be the employer. Okay. See, I think the misconception is, oh, if I start my own company, if I work for myself, I can work fewer hours. No, when you work for yourself, you work way more hours. You're just managing those hours. You're in charge of those hours. Yeah. I was on a phone call two weeks ago with someone, and they were going to resign and take a year off and uh, recalibrate their life. They're just going to take a whole year and not work. And, and uh, yeah. That must be nice. And what he kept saying is, I'm just tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. And Me too, baby. And I know everyone who gave him counsel basically said, hey, take the year, you know, recalibrate. And I said, you don't think I've been tired? <laughs> I said, I I've been tired my whole journey. And I said, let me, let me tell you the difference between a professional athlete and greatness is that great professional, professional athletes are separated in the fourth quarter. It's what they do when they're tired. That's where greatness emerges. And I've, been, I've worked, who, who told you it wasn't supposed to be hard? Who told you that achieving your dreams wasn't supposed to be exhausting? Who told you work wasn't supposed to be work? And, uh, and you, you know, so something for me is, I've worked all my life and I love it. And um, people, are you a workaholic? No, because I work for my freedom. I work for my dreams. I work for uh, creative space. I, I work to create opportunities, not just for me, but for other people. And, and we have this culture right now where we hate billionaires. And I think a part of it is that we actually think that people who succeed are intrinsically evil. And so we're working from this mindset that poverty is virtue. And this is something I had to deal with 40 years ago because when I was more of an anarchist and a socialist and I went to work with the urban poor, I had a mindset that the poor were the virtuous and the rich were the evil. And what I had to come to- You evil with, now, bro. What? You evil now, sir. Yeah. And, you evil now, um, papa. <laughs> I'm not as evil as some because- No, they, finish the statement though. I'm, I was just kind of no, riding off your thing. Is that I had to come to grips with the fact yeah. that uh, poverty is not a virtue. It's a condition. Yeah. And there are virtuous people trapped in poverty. Yeah. And also other people who are trapped in poverty because of their decisions and their choices. Right. And that creating wealth doesn't make you intrinsically evil. Good people not only can create wealth, good people should create wealth. And the most important thing that Elon Musk can do is to use the full force of his genius to create billions and billions and billions of dollars 
of economy so that people can actually have jobs to do what they're gifted at and to live lives that actually are fulfilling for them. I love what Jeff Bezos talks about when people come at him for yeah. being worth like $100 billion. I think that, you know, his wealth has fluctuated uh, in concordance to the, the, the stock market. But right. at one point, you know, it was like $100 billion. And he's like, what that means to me is that I've made the rest of the world Nine hundred billion dollars. Yeah, trillion probably. Yeah, because they, they they said he was the first. Was it? It was the first company to be worth a trillion. No. And I think that he owns sixteen percent of Amazon. Basically, he talks about, you know, I'm worth this much. So if my company's worth this much, I have created this much wealth for this many people because our company has thrived. We've hired tens of thousands of people. Have created this much wealth for people that it spreads across different economies. I'm going. It's that it's a different perspective of going, okay, I'm going to be a provider. I'm going to be someone who needs to be provided for. And I do, but I will say this though, because we're in Barcelona. I didn't, you're obviously not an evil person, by the way. You were someone who, who didn't, you didn't have a ton. You weren't, I don't know if you were, I mean, I think there were times of our lives where we definitely maybe were more impoverished than others. I definitely qualified as poor. Right. And for almost a decade, I, I made below welfare. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely qualified. I just didn't, I know you're, I know, I know. yeah, out of respect, I didn't want to, you know, air out your, your, your dirty laundry. I just so, never considered myself poor because my mindset was not entrapped in a poverty mentality. But for a little bit, it was when you were looking at rich people who were evil and empowered people who were virtuous, that was a, that is a poverty mindset. And some of that was connected to family and relationships. Okay. Where I felt like, yeah. The, the wealthy people you knew you felt weren't virtuous. Yes. So how do we change the mindset for maybe the next generation of people coming up? Uh, first of all, um, don't give up on work. Uh, it's okay to quit your job. Don't quit on work. And get up in the morning and do something that matters. And in fact, uh, in the scriptures it says, let him who steal... Let him who steals, steal no longer and do something meaningful with their hands that they may have something to give to those who do not have. And I think the part of the problem is that if you think of income as just what you're supposed to attain to pay for your lifestyle, you don't understand the value of creating wealth. Hmm. That what you're supposed to do is create enough wealth where you are generous. And so the solution to evil people who make money is not good people not making money. The solution to evil people making money is good people making more money so they can do more good than those who are evil are doing with their money. If you give up on work, you're gonna throw, what's the phrase? You're gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater because what you're in danger of is throwing out your intention, throwing out your motivation, throwing out your passions, throwing out your purpose, throwing out your meaning. You cannot get up in the morning without something to give your life to and not drown in depression. Uh, you want to feel anxiety? Start looking back on your life 10 years later and going, for 10 years of my life, I, quote, waited to live until I got myself together. And life is not a practice run. You don't get a warm-up game, a pre-game, a practice game. You get one life and you need to live it fully. That was an amazing closing statement. 
but I'd like to bring it back. Because we were in Barcelona and you got mad at me because you were like, hey, you're talking about making money too much. Yes. But I would say I'm somewhat virtuous. You are a very good man. I would say I'm a good good person. You're took, a very generous some, person. It took some time. I think I'm very generous. You are very generous I've always generous had a generous person. nature. Even yeah. when I had nothing. I gave what I had to other yeah. people. Um, so why can't I talk about it? No, what I said was that wealth is a great outcome. It's a terrible goal. Because if wealth becomes your goal, whatever wealth you attain, there's always more wealth to attain. So it never, it's never enough. I said, I was like, so there's more goals. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, focus on what you're supposed to do with your life. Focus on on your intention, focus on what you're passionate about, focus right. on becoming better and better at what you do and let wealth become the outcome of living a life that's really meaningful and never let wealth be more important to you than relationships and people. Because when you look back on your life, it's the people that you did life with that will make you feel really rich. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for this episode. If you're listening, Go to work. Get to work. And, uh, and if you don't have a job, then make your job getting a job. And, uh, yeah. and if you don't like your job, then have the courage to either go find the job you love or create the job that you love. But don't allow the job you have to be an excuse to move toward apathy and mediocrity and stagnation. Oof, that was good. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We are so grateful. Um, get to work. But first, we have some new merch. We got merch. Finally. We haven't done merch since that thing a year ago, I think. And I still love it. Two years ago? One year ago? It's time. It's time to it's upgrade. Time. It's time to put a fresh battle-ready face. We're releasing a hat. We're releasing a coffee mug. It'll look similar to this, but not quite this. We're releasing stickers. We're releasing a crew neck. We're releasing some shorts. Bada bang, bada boom. That's it. Go get you some. All right. Where when, do they go, Austin? When are they dropping? When you hear this ad, go All get right. yourself some stuff. All right, here we go. People are always asking how they can support the podcast. You know what? Go buy some merch. No, people are always asking me. How do I get some merch? Why can't we get the merch? Because <laughs> it doesn't exist, but now it exists. So order it, batteratypodcast.com. It will sell out. And then you will be sad. And then I can't do anything about it. Because I'm not giving you mine. Go to the website, badreadypodcast.com. Get some merch. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>